You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Afternoon Drive with Mongani Bingwa. Live. Online. The 702 app. DSTV. And 92.7 and 106 FM. It is eight minutes after four o'clock. Welcome to the second hour of the Afternoon Drive. We are with you until six o'clock. And of course, throughout the show, feel free to welcome. Feel free to call us on 011-883-0702. You are welcome to join the conversation at any stage. Now, Germany's president, Frank-Walter Steinmeier, met party leaders earlier this week after talks to form a new government between Prime Minister Angela Merkel's Conservative Party, the left-leaning Greens, and pro-business Free Democrats broke down at the weekend. The collapse of the coalition talks pose the most serious threat to Mrs. Merkel's position since, position since she became Chancellor more than a decade ago. The talks collapsed as parties failed to bridge a gap over issues including immigration policy, climate change, as well as Germany's position in the European Union. And joining us in the studio today, it is my pleasure to say, is uh, the newly appointed German ambassador to South Africa, Mr. Martin Schaefer. And of course, uh, welcome I feel odd to just call you Martin. I feel like I should be saying something, I don't know, profoundly important like your excellency, but we'll call each other Martin and Bongani because that's what you prefer. Before we got on air, you told me that you've been to South Africa before. This isn't, as they say, your first rodeo. Well, it it, uh, is odd for me to be called your excellency too. So if you go with Martin, it would be a lot, a lot better. Indeed, I'm coming home. For me, it's kind of returning home. I've been to South Africa also in my work for the German embassy in 2007 until to 2011. A lot of things in those times uh, happened. Uh, I think your listeners will remember the World Cup. In 2010, certainly. In 2010. The, one of my first uh, obligations in my job at the times was to, to observe and see what happened at the ANC conference in Pologuane where Jacob Zuma was elected president of the ANC. So in that sense, then, you've got a context of what's unfolding now because you've kind of seen this before. As you return, what would you say um, your initial impressions are in terms of what's changed, in terms of what's different and where the country is headed to? Well, you see, as a, as a diplomat, you usually have a, a rather difficult choice to make. You either go into a, a country where life is good but work is boring or it's the other way around, and uh, South Africa is an exception to that rule. To that, uh, to that rule, life is good here, but it is. But work exci- is not boring. <laughs> no, but it is ex- exciting, exactly. And I think, in two thousand and seven, uh, your country was at a crossroads. South Africa had a choice to make. The ANC had a choice to make. It did make a choice, and now once again, ten years later the country is standing at a crossroads and will have to decide uh, which uh, way they want to go. And I think the conference at the end of December in Nazarek is is one part of that big decision that your country will have to make. One of the things about living in South Africa, as you no doubt well know, is that we can tend to focus a lot on our issues. We tend to have a parochial view of the world. There's a lot of navel-gazing. We think that at times we are perhaps a little bit more important on the world stage than maybe we are. But at the same time, we are a critical player on the continent, certainly in this region. How are all the things that have been unfolding in recent months, allegations around corruption at the very highest levels, how are those being viewed, being interpreted in other countries, particularly in yours in Germany? I don't see South Africa as a country. I don't see South Africans as, as people that would overvalue themselves and their role in the world. 
I think what has happened in South Africa in the last, say, 25, 30 years is an example to the world. And I think that is something we share. Germany and South Africa share the experience that peaceful change from an authoritarian rule here in South Africa was apartheid. In Germany, it was the communist rule in Eastern Germany can be overcome by peaceful means if the people are fed up and if there's if there's the will to change things, things can be done peacefully. And the icons of that change in South Africa, Nelson Mandela, Oa Tambo, many others are ideals, are idols of the world, are icons of the world. And I think from an outside perspective, the the big challenge for South Africa is to to try to follow the values that all those icons stand for. And they are not only icons for your country, they are not only icons for this beautiful continent, they are icons for the entire world. Perhaps you're just being a diplomat there in terms of downplaying some of the own goals that I know we, I know you know we have scored. Um, whatever the miracle of uh, the transition to democracy, I think you would also admit, though, there's a lot more we could have done and some of the problems we are facing have been created by ourselves. You see, Bongani, it is very, very easy to stand here in front of a microphone and uh, tell other people how you properly run a country. And that's a bit of a disease of certain diplomats maybe that do that. I would not engage in that. Let me say that you know, with all the with all the history of this country, with the violent history of South Africa, with uh, the legacy of apartheid, with all the problems, with the social gap in this country, it is extremely difficult to run a country like this. My country mm, does have its challenges, and uh, we might talk about that later. We have challenges at the moment to form a coalition government, but the challenges that my country faces are by far less than what South Africa has to face. But I mean, you also know what it is to emerge from a difficult past, not only in terms of the unification of your country at the end of the Cold War. Let's go back to the beginning, uh, or at least the end of the Second World War. You know what it's like to rebuild a new society with a new ethos and to move away from your past without necessarily denying it and certainly uh, making sure you don't repeat it. You're right. You're, you're right. But you see, the history of South Africa is the history of ethnic groups of different uh, parts of what is supposed to become a rainbow nation that were at war with each other. White people in this country, the Afrikaners and the English, a couple of generations ago, were at war with each other. Black people amongst each other were at war with each other. And then in the 20th century is a history in South Africa of clashes between different races and I think it's difficult to acknowledge that and it's difficult to accept it but still it takes a lot of time to overcome the traumas of the past it takes a lot of time to turn around what has begun say in the beginning of the 20th century look at the group areas act the fact that there's townships in South Africa and that people black people mainly have to live in places that, that are far away from where business is where growth is where job opportunities are is a legacy of the past and it is a huge challenge that uh, you have to change all that. And I suppose, I suppose people need to have a bit of patience. And I'm not saying that because I want to excuse anything. I just want to give you the perspective of someone from outside who sees how big the challenges are for your society, for your government, for your political parties. 
and for everybody who wants to contribute to transformation. Okay, we're in conversation with Martin Schaefer, the German ambassador to South Africa. Uh, after the break, we'll be moving into Europe and the challenges you face, not only that we down here at the tip of Africa face, and we'll maybe have a conversation about uh, global affairs because the world now has to deal with a Donald Trump in the White House. 702 with Bongani Bingwa. Email him on bongani at 702.co.za. It is 20 minutes after four o'clock. We are talking to Martin Schaefer, the German ambassador to South Africa. Of course, as I introduced this conversation, Martin, we were talking about, I suppose, the struggle for Chancellor Merkel to form this coalition government. What are the implications of that if a solution, if an agreement isn't reached soon? Well, you see, I think, uh, first of all, there is something to observe for South Africa, too, because this culture of coalition agreements that we have had during the whole time of the Federal Republic of Germany is something that is deeply enshrined in the political culture of our country. There is no political party, such as in South Africa, which has ever, with one exception, won an absolute majority of the vote of the votes in our parliament, the Bundestag, which means that there has been from the beginning, from 1949, the need every four years to get together between and amongst political parties to make compromises, to strike a deal, to draft a coalition agreement that would then be the guiding line for four years of government. And we have had a situation in, where, in which for the first time on the national, on the federal level, two political parties had to agree on something. And they took a lot of time. I think they took about six weeks in which they met every single day for many hours in order to sort out and to see whether there's enough common ground in order to strike a deal and to sign a coalition agreement. And at the end, it was the Liberal Party which decided that for them, there were you know, the gaps between the ideological, political gaps between the political parties were too big to bridge. So they decided that this government would maybe be able to sign an agreement. But then once you have to implement all those decisions, you would fall apart. And that's the reason why they decided to pull out. And now, now we have a situation in which one has to see whether or not there is a chance in the sitting Bundestag to create new majorities for Chancellor Merkel or someone else. What are, what are the implications if that doesn't work? And I suppose the wider question for us, because this looks certain to be our future, that's already happening at uh, the local government level in terms of running our big metros where p- p- opposition parties after our last local elections took uh, control of some of the major metros in our country. And that may be something we might become familiar with on the national stage. How do you deal with those ideological differences where maybe the majority party seems to hold the center ground and uh, you know potential coalition partners are at either extreme of the the spectrum i think that's a very important question i i suspect it is a very important question for south africa too the culture in uh, my country is one of willingness to compromise. When you go to an election, you create your platform, you have certain ideas about the future of your country, but you understand because your constituency will never be the majority alone, that the deal will have to be that you compromise with others, that you identify things that are extremely important for you, without which you're not willing to engage in a coalition agreement, but you have to show empathy 
to see what the other desperately politically needs in order to be able to form a government that will work. And I can tell you the most important thing in all this is reliability and trust. You know, if you shake hands and if you say, we have a deal here, I accept that you get this on migration issues and I get that on, uh, say, tax. the reform of the euro or tax, then this deal has to hold. If it doesn't hold and if you lose trust, then the coalition falls apart. And we are at a situation, I think, where those four political parties in Berlin didn't, weren't able to create a sufficient amount of trust in order to do what they would have to do for the next four years. And now we have, I can say from my, uh, from my personal background, very responsible politicians. You might know that the, foreign pre the federal president, Mr. Steinmeier, that you mentioned in your introduction, uh, was foreign minister before. And you worked for him, of yes, course. Yes, I was a, a spokesperson. So I know how he thinks and I know how responsibly he acts now. And it is up to him to decide what, what happens. He might uh, decide to dissolve parliament. He might help to strike a deal amongst political parties that can form a coalition government. Of course, Europe is facing particular challenges at this time. Everything from, you know, uh, international terrorism that's become a real issue in Europe, security issues, migration has become an issue. Um, Germany has played a very central role uh, in terms of holding the EU together. Does this, uh, you know, lack of being able to form a coalition, at least at this stage, are there implications in terms of what might unfold for the EU uh, in, in days or weeks to come should, should uh, Mrs. Merkel not be able to form that coalition government? Well, I think uh, there is no doubt, neither on the markets, nor with political analysts abroad in Germany or wherever that my country is stable, that it is politically stable, that it is a sound democracy, that democracy, that the economy is thriving. So we have had situations in the past where it took a bit longer to form a coalition government. And I'm uh, very convinced that we will uh, do that this time around in exactly the same way. But you're right. Um, there is need for reform in the European Union. And you mentioned all the problems uh, Terrorism threats have come very close to the European Union. They have come to London, to Barcelona, to Madrid, to Berlin. We've had people being killed by ISIS terrorists all over the place. So there is reform need in terms of our inner safety and security. And you're now dealing with a world that has Donald Trump in the White House. Well, you see, um, it's it's a funny thing to, 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 to observe that there are probably not many people in the world who properly understand why Donald Trump got a majority in the American presidential elections. On the other hand side, there's not many people who understand that why Angela Merkel didn't get 100% of the German vote because she, she is someone who stands for values, for, uh, for the right of political asylum, for a thriving economy, for human rights. So for many people, it might be hard to understand why she doesn't easily win an absolute majority in our in our parliament but that is domestic policies and the people in our country uh, well they are they are split on on who should govern this country it is obvious that it will take us a bit of more time to form a stable clear government with a clear perspective on reforms in Europe i think everybody that will ever get a chance to form uh, the german government from the bundestag would agree that there's three areas in which 
reform in the European Union is needed. The, the first one we've mentioned, that is issues of safety and security. The second one would be to uh, draft new ideas, to draft new policies in terms of migration, because that, that was one of the, the, big, uh, the big crises that uh, faces the European Union. And then we need to re reform the euro. German Ambassador Martin Schaefer, welcome to South Africa once again. Now, we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but I think uh, the biggest takeout from this conversation I will walk away with is play for the long haul because things aren't always achieved overnight. Thank you for joining us.